my name is Sainz and today I will be giving you tips to have a good and fun research. And the first tip is having dedication to do actual research. And I know this tip might sound really obvious, but when you're actually, you know, are in the middle of the research or starting, it can be very tempted to do a really half-baked version of your research and just go to Wikipedia or something. Doing research is a thing that requires a large amount of enthusiasm or just not being lazy or having, you know, dedication to do it, especially if it's a school setting. And on that separate note, don't be afraid to submit a late work because, I mean, it might be late, but at least you actually submitted something. You know, as people say, late is better than none. And on another note, do not do it one night before. Because that's why many people say that research isn't fun, because they do it one night before and panic takes over them course and you know when you're in panic nothing is fun so yeah now this tip may sound easy and it is but it's really really important for your research overall because no matter how good you are at finding things or like finding specific words in a phrase if you don't have dedication then What's the point of being good if you're not gonna use it? And segueing to my second tip, Wikipedia. Didn't I say that Wikipedia is just a site where people go to to copy-paste everything and just be overall lazy with their research? Well, yeah, I did say that, but Wikipedia has the potential to become a really good source for example, at the bottom section is a neat little reference list and that reference list is a gold mine for information, a real gold mine. Because they, the things on Wikipedia might not be accurate, but for example, a Wikipedia might say that someone is abducted by aliens in the Iliad but you know the source is there so it probably did happen because it's there but it didn't it's an example and if it's a book for example the Iliad as I've said before you can find pages or sometimes the thing you're actually finding is they're really short but that's how many people view Wikipedia as just a copy-paste and that's not the proper way to use Wikipedia. In fact, just have a little read in Wikipedia and just look at the interesting sentences. At the end of each sentence is a number and those numbers are citations and they lead you to the reference section so if you find something interesting that has a number in the end, that means that it has a source, so it's 100% real. And the thing is, with Wikipedia, there are some sentences without the citation marks, which means that, sadly, they did not have sources, so their credibility is kind of on the water. 
and clicking on the links in the on the reference section will lead you to pages. Yes, pages on the thing that you're actually researching on. And if you want to be more accurate, because most of the time, you clicking on them will lead to another Wikipedia page, you can actually search, you know, the actual book and find the statement there. After doing all this, you basically have, you know, like a bunch of papers and sources that you don't know what to do with. And that segues to my third step, organizing information. Now that you have your sources, your resource with your research, now you gotta research again. Because I am sure with the 100% fact that you did not take everything. Doing a research is different from doing a test. You review for tests to pass, which isn't the case for research. You do research so you can put everything about this one thing into one section so you don't have to go back. You know, it's the opposite of reviewing and reporting because for reviewing and reporting, all you need to do is basically get the general gist. You just have to get like a brief summary as long as you know that you're fine. But with researching information, you need to take everything you know, be greedy with your information. You know, it, an interesting case that may come up if you're researching that, for example, is a Greek god, is primary and secondary sources. But before I talk about them, I need to talk about, you know, how you actually get a research. You know, how do you get your sources? You know, if you're a student, then you're probably lucky because there's probably a library somewhere near your school or, you know, in the school itself, you know. And you have to check the book for pages because sometimes they just give out, like, non-official sources and they just cram it there saying that it's official. So, you know, just check everything. And if you're a worker, then it's more easier for you. Just rent an e-book of the book. You know, but if you know you don't have money or you're poor, then just go to your local library, do it the old school way. Google is also a viable option for this since most of the time they give you like a preview of the ebook. So you know if you're a student, just try to get lucky. But sometimes Google has no copies of the book. So you know, just go to your library then. And as I've told before, there is an interesting case when researching particularly ancient things, for example, Greek gods, I will be using them throughout this section. And this case is primary and secondary sources. To put it lightly without torturing your brain, a primary source is basically the thing and the primary source is around that thing. They're basically point-blank range at the thing you are researching. And a secondary source is an observer of sorts, really. You know, they weren't really there, but they can kind of see it, and they kind of go more garbled as long as, you know, the farther you get. You know, in a real-life situation, they're probably, you know, like a gossiper, you know. 
like people who weren't really there at the time, but you know, relay information to others, and the farther and farther it gets, you know, it gets scrambled. An example of a primary source is, you know, ship diaries, you know, from or a journal diary or a manuscript. Uh, example of a secondary source is textbooks or dictionaries or encyclopedia or just opinionated, you know, opinionated text that you know talks about the thing you're researching. Now, in situations like this, you always, always need to go for the primary sources. But be careful because sometimes they're too old to be documented, so you know, just go with the second one. Of course, you know, no thing is ever free from bias, but generally speaking, the further away you go from the topic you're researching, the more bias is present, you know us. Really, for the sake of your own sanity, just accept that, you know, you'll never find the 100% concrete truth about researching. But the closer you will be in, you know, the actual results, the clearer it will be. Now, I made it sound like secondary sources are useless. Well, not exactly, because secondary sources helps you understand the primary source. And as I've said before, no one is free from bias and primary sources are not exempt to that fact. You know, primary sources examine the topic that you're researching and secondary sources examine the primary source. Secondary sources will help you have a clearer picture of the topic by telling you the biases of the primary source, you know, telling you where they're highlighting the part or minimizing a part for their cause. And yeah, now, after this, be careful with your sources. That is a thing that I cannot stress enough. Always look at your sources. If your secondary or primary source is a post like on Facebook or Twitter, then do not use them. They will never be accurate as the complete books of Homer about the Iliad. Now that you have an actual mountain of notes, then you need to put them all in one place. You know, make sure that make sure that you don't come back to your text is what I'm saying. Write down everything. As I've said before, be greedy with it. You know, if it's from a book, write down quotes and page numbers. You know, if it's from a particular historical moment, write the people involved. If it's, yeah, a book again, because it's predictable, write the author. What did the author do? What is his views? Because writing stuff like that will, you know, let you see the bias of the books. And please, trust me, just do it. Don't just copy a part of the book and just write it in your paper, it will make your life so much easier. And now, after doing that, you have an actual mountain of sticky notes with you, you know? And that segues me to my fourth step, organizing your sources. After you organize your information, now you gotta organize them, you know, make a cohesive sense. Now that you've organized your information, it's now time for my favorite part doing this. 
most of the students don't do this because as I've said, they always rush their work. And seriously, if you don't do this, you're missing out, man. If you listen to me so far, I said sticky notes, not notebooks. Well, this is where the fun part comes in because now it's time to grab some thumbtacks and, thumbtacks and string or anything that will stick the strings to the sticky notes really, you know, tape, you know, and for me this is an optional one but if you have a bigger paper, you know, put like the main topic you're researching, for example, a Greek god, you know, Zeus, for example. You might see where, you know, I'm coming, and you probably saw it in every detective movie ever. But you see it for a reason. They've made it easier for your research. You don't have to remember everything. You write things down, is what I'm saying. Now, connect your notes until they make cohesive sense, because I am sure with your sources, they don't form a cohesive narrative, you know. For example, if it's a god, it varies. It varies with time. And for example, a Greek god varies more, especially after the Romans got in, so you know, more variation there. So put them all, like connect them all until they have a cohesive sense. This basically challenges your you know your creativity and you know your logic of pacing. And if you don't have time, just write it in a bond paper, you know? And when you're done doing that, Rewrite them again in the notebook to basically summarize the mini thesis that you did. And yes, this is basically a thesis at this point, so if you are a college student, then you know, you can use my tips. But if you aren't in college, well, this is a good practice and I think this is a way for good research. And I think a thing with schools that I don't agree with is they always say like pick a thesis or like a topic that you agree with and support it with evidence or stuff like that which I don't really agree with because it's completely backwards. You should write a thesis or report after you've read because opinions change. Like you don't just go into a book and already have a set opinion that will never change. You know that is very false. And yeah, this is basically my mini TED talk on how to actually do research. My name is Ainz and thank you for listening to me. Hello, my name is Lucas or Joaquin Miguel Bantog. And my section will be how to report efficiently in five easy steps. One, don't be nervous. Before you even do your report, the first thing you need to have is self-confidence. Being nervous often leads to you collectively screwing up, which in, in most circumstances does not look good in a report. Trust me, it does not. A commonly used coping mechanism is reviewing your report. Getting a grip on your report will give you a confidence boost in reporting. Step 2. Review your report. Please, for the love of God, review your report! <sighs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, this tip might be as common as air reporting tips, but it's an essential one. And you don't really have to memorize every tidbit of your report. You just have to memorize the general gist of it. 
Reviewing your report has many benefits, like giving you a good boost in confidence, just like what I said in step 1. Step 3. Make your report exciting! Or, at least try to. Never just read your report or make people recite all the time. Just don't. If you do that, you're not giving the people a reason to listen to you. You're just, just either giving them a, a history lesson or you're just giving them a bedtime story. Try to make your report exciting. Don't let people sleep while you're reporting. Because if they do, then you've failed. Big time. Step 4. Be prepared. As mentioned in the previous segment, the audience is a very important part of your report. So be prepared for absolutely everything. Questions, and I really mean everything as well. Well, I think you get the idea. Because if you fail to spot your... Uh, hang on, what is this? Oh, wait, wait, sorry. If you fail to respond to a question, then it shows incredibly in your... her part. Right? Oh, okay. Um, well, I suppose that, that this part's supposed to be free will, so... This shows incredibly in your part that you have not done anything at all. What have you been doing? Did, did you not listen to the last parts of um, doing research and stuff? Uh, yeah, whatever. Step 5. Cite sources. Alright, I'm going on with that script here because it literally has nothing on it. So, let's move on. So, if you're making a report, you should at least, at the least, cite the source. If you don't, then... You're just plagiarizing someone else's work. That's not a report. It's just a copy-paste story time. Okay, so how do I put this? Uh, okay. Ah. Okay. So if you're going to who do a report and you actually took it off somewhere off the internet, at the very least, you should give the original person or the original website where you found it off some real credit it, it's either you put it in a, a powerpoint which is the most common one really or you put it at the very end of it, it if you really want to 